Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, featuring your hosts, Heisey Luckmers and Charlie Harrington. The Amethyst Oracle. Delves into life, death, and everything betwixt between and beyond. Between and beyond. Between and beyond. With a clear twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. And now, here are your hosts, Charlie Harrington and Heisey Wattenberg. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us here today once again for the Amethyst Oracle. My name is Hi C and I am joined by my esteemed colleague Charlie Harrington. Well, hey there, friend. How are you doing? I am doing well. Welcome. I wanted to say welcome, Lord Harrington. I don't know. Lord why. Harrington. <laughs> yes. like it's Sir, Sir Charles or the third, but you know. The stuffy name. Well, I get it. <laughs> uh, hopefully, you're doing well this fine evening. It is good. I'm. I'm. I always love January. I know that. I I know that the difference between 2015 and 2016 is not a dramatic one, but it just feels good to have. Feels like a clean slate. Feels like there's a every chance that I might just start working out at any moment. Wow. I'm, I think that that is a very positive way to enter into the new year and mm-hmm. look at things. <clears throat> Hopefully, you enjoyed the holiday season. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was good. I'm, I'm not a, I don't know. My favorite two holidays are Valentine's and uh, Halloween. So, <laughs> but uh, it was good. It's all right. Love I ate a lot of cookies. Love yes. and death. For Love you. and death. <laughs> um, I ate a lot of cookies. That's my favorite part of the the holidays. So. Oh, you made the, the most the, of it. Then. The yeah, the access to cookies. How about you? How how's your new year beginning? Um, well, it's it's well, it's beginning rather busily it seems. Uh-huh. But uh, the holidays were nice. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Christmas was very low key, just with the in laws, just the four of us, which is nice. No drama. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. New New Year's a bit hectic. I had uh, nine people staying at my house for three nights. So that was um, an adventure, uh-huh. followed by, you know, one week later, I had 20 people over for dinner. <laughs> so apparently the new year has decided to start out very social and busy. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was going to say, like, now Snow White only put up with seven people in her in her place, so nine seems extreme. So. Yeah, well, she's, you know, a little tired, so obviously yeah. I've stepped up the game. That's right, right. So now it's a uh, Mercury retrograde, so anything we screw up is not our fault currently, right? Exactly. I take no responsibility for any screw up or mistake. That's right. There for we the go. Month of January, period. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm quite looking forward to our guest this evening. Mm-hmm. 
um, because I love the way that she has combined Buddhism or an aspect of Buddhism with the with Tara and the Tarot being able to create something that taps into that um, Buddhist wisdom and that um, wisdom and aspect and energy of Tara and brings mm-hmm. it into a tool that anyone can use with Buddhist background or not. And I think that that's sometimes the intimidating factor, like with Tarot or something. You know, people think, well, I don't know anything about it, so I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, and so, so they often won't try. And hopefully this will be something that says, no, we invite you in regardless of what mm-hmm. you know or don't know. This will work for you and help you to know more. Absolutely. And, you know, even someone who might not be called to sort of Buddhist spirituality could be intrigued by Tara. I do know a, a few people who don't have a lot of Eastern leanings, but Tara uh, seems to speak to them. Um, either green Tara or white Tara or chartreuse Tara. But, um, and I, I, I've um, found that with the, some of these uh, deity-specific decks that even if the entire extended family doesn't call to you, or even like the sort of the Buddhist system, I think there's wisdom to be gained from uh, just working with that one being or just working with this one deck. And as long as you're doing it with respectfully and no one gets hurt, you know, who's to wonder? <coughs> oh, sorry. Um, I also... I also think we see something similar. A lot of people feel very connected to Kuan Yin. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people sometimes feel connected to like Kali, even though they mm-hmm. may not really do anything with Hinduism per se. Mm-hmm. So or I think ISIS. like, you, or ISIS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that, like you said, Tara is just one of those figures, one of those energies that really seems to connect with people regardless of, what background or what knowledge or what practice they might have. And I love that she created this deck because, you know, one of the ideas of a diviner is someone who speaks for gods or, or powerful spirits or, or, you know, or, and of course that's not how every person practices divination, but it's nice to uh, have a tool ready to sort of help that conversation begin. And, you know, there, since this is, the Amethystorical Divination with a Queer Twist. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, you know, for example, with White Tara, there is a, an interesting one. I'm sure it's not the same connection, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. there there is the Rainbow Tara. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like, for example, White Tara will be, if you see White Tara with a, a circle around her and it will be a rainbow, it's called the Rainbow Pavilion. Mm-hmm. Um but I was thinking, oh, you know what? There is also a connection because we had talked, um, you know, in our in our pre-interview with Zabrine, we were talking about um, whether she needed. She had asked about whether she needed to make any sort of direct connection to the the idea of queer and, and queerness and that kind of thing. Um, and you know, you can see it in subtle ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know. White Tara with the rainbow pavilions could be the the Buddhist gay flag. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> but go. it would be it, it would be interesting to see if working with like say White Tara, for example, might appeal or resonate more in some way on some level for queer people or that kind of thing. Just as an aspect of Tara that maybe 
especially resonates in that way. Mm. It was just a thought, a random thought. (laughs) Follow that lead. (laughs) That's right. And of course, I will do a little housekeeping to remind people that if you want to listen to this show later again or share it with someone or if you want to listen to previous shows, whether it's this one or any of our other shows, you can find those in the archives here on Blog Talk Radio or on iTunes. And if you want to get a reading at a little later point in the show, you can get into the queue for that by connecting in from the show page, or you can call 646-716-5510. And tell us, Charlie, how could they find us on Facebook? Well, if you just go to Facebook and, you know, just first you wait, start wait, to see... Wait, wait, slow get- down, slow <laughs> down. Let me write... Okay, so go to Facebook. Go to All Facebook. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and then in the search Facebook bar you can search for amethyst oracle and you will find us it is true and we would love to hear from you to have you like us there we need to be liked don't we we just need to be liked oh yeah i mean the main reason i need to read tarot cards is because i'm codependent and i want people to like me so yeah i'm a fixer i just want to fix everybody that's why i do that's right (laughs) just look at the world as a diseased place with all sorts of problems for you to Whenever a Work client on. comes, I always greet them. Oh, hello, you poor soul. I'm yes, so glad God. you've come to me today. <laughs> thank God you've come. It looks like it was almost too late. <laughs> but fortunately, you're here. Not to worry. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will save you. <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't we just silly? Silly, silly. <laughs> I love it. We'll have to rein in our silliness for our guest. I mean, um, that's never going to happen. Well, all right. You've caught me out. (laughs) So shall we venture into the world of compassion, wrathfulness, and every other uh, color of the spectrum known as the 21 Taras, 22 Taras, I guess. Yeah, Um, absolutely. All right. And hopefully people will enjoy. Our guest is going to be Zabrine Gray. So... Sit back, get yourself a nice cup of tea, breathe, relax, and enjoy our conversation with Sabrine Gray. Icy and Charlie are excited to welcome to the Amethyst Oracle this month, Zabrine Gray, creator of the Tarot Wisdom Cards. 
Sabrine Gray is a true Renaissance soul whose spiritual path has taken her on a journey through Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, modern paganism, Unitarian Universalism, and samplings of various other spiritual paths. She has traveled the world seeking spirits, performing dramas in Hungary, Malawi, and Venezuela, studying culture in Papua New Guinea, and dancing for peace in India, Nepal, and Brazil. Sabrine connected to the dances of Tara in 1997 by reconnecting with a member of her family, and the Tara dance has become a central part of Zabrine's spiritual practice. She made a commitment to the Tara Datu educational program and is now a third-level teacher of the dance. In 2002, she was offered a position on the Tara Datu Council, on which she currently serves as vice president. Her master's thesis at Florida State was about the development of the dance and its intercultural implications. Zabrine journeyed on a pilgrimage to India and Nepal in 2001 and to Brazil for retreat in 2004. She also has undertaken a personal study and meditation of Tara and the Tarot and created the Tara Wisdom Cards, which include a full major and minor arcana and are used for meditation and divination. So please join Charlie and Heisey at the Amethyst Oracle in welcoming this month's guest, Zabrine Gray. And welcome, Zabrine. Thank you so much for joining Charlie and I here today on the Amethyst Oracle. We're very excited to have you and to hear about this deck that you have created called the Tara Wisdom. Uh, is it Tara Wisdom Deck or Tara Wisdom Oracle? Tara Wisdom Cards. Cards. Well, there you are. Yes. I, w- I wanted it to be accessible to people who might not go for the Tara Tarot, which is, and that's also kind of hard to say, Tara Tarot is alliteration. So Tara Wisdom Cards was what I decided on. But the deck is actually, has the structure of a traditional Tarot deck, correct? Yes, it does. It's 78 cards. It corresponds, the exact number of cards to the traditional Tarot, it has a major arcana, court cards, and a minor arcana. The only main difference in structure is the court cards are not connected to the rest of the minor arcana. There are 16 cards, but they don't go according to the suits. All right. Interesting. Um, I'll tell you more why. <laughs> well, before we go there, I think let's let's start at the beginning, shall we? Um, maybe you could step back in time and give us a glimpse as to what was the catalyst and, and where this idea for the deck came from and how it came into being for you. Okay. Well, going way back in time to when email was new. Now, really, my uh, I grew up not knowing my mother's sister because she was they weren't talking. They were my mother was very conservative. My her sister was living in India. And so I knew that she was out there. But when I was 19, I wanted to meet this person. And so I sent her an email. An email was like barely a thing. And she wrote back to me right away and invited me to come to this goddess dance workshop that she was doing. And I was newly pagan and very excited about that idea. And that is 
when I was introduced to Tara, the Tibetan Buddha goddess of wisdom, compassion, and power. And when I was introduced to the practices, they um, they became really important to me. At first, I was very against Buddhism being my religion because I was pagan. I didn't need to be Buddhist. Um, it took a long time before I realized that that was very um, that was very dogmatic of me, <laughs> and that I could actually use a lot more than that. So then, fast forward a couple of years later, um, I. My aunt, Prema, who created a practice, this dance practice called the Tara Mandala Dance, she was doing a workshop in Tara and the Tarot. See, Tara has 22 primary forms, and the 22 forms correspond in very interesting ways with the 22 major arcana of the Tarot. So I did this weekend workshop and listened to her teachings about all 22 and I kind of tucked it into the back of my head. This is something that I want to play with some more. Then I had to have a, a major surgery. And I was in recovery from that surgery for about six months. But I was bored. So I decided, well, here's an opportunity. I will pull this thing out and work on it. This is about 2004. No. Yes, 2004. And I pulled it out. I was brand new to Photoshop at the time. And so I made the cards using, I, I chose line drawings of the different Taras and made the major arcana. I made decisions about what c colors and other things that went into the cards. And I was so into it when I got to the end of the major arcana that I was like, I should make a minor arcana. Huh, how do I do that? So I really didn't know that much about Tarot at the time. And I went and I read several books about Tarot and figured out what the Minor Arcana was about from and made the decisions of what would make the Minor Arcana. Well, I I was blown away at the fact that I had made this thing, this this deck. It was so awesome. But the art itself was not that great. I didn't consider myself an artist. So at that point, I started looking for an artist, looking for someone who could do the art properly. And I didn't find anyone. And so I kind of, I, I kept doing readings with the one copy of the deck that I had printed out on cardstock. But I kind of put it as something that wasn't going to go anywhere till I found an artist. Fast forward some more, 2012, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and um, took, it was a good two years of treatment, including chemotherapy, radiation, a double mastectomy, reconstruction. Um, in some ways, I am still in recovery from the whole process, but at a certain point, I I wasn't working, I didn't know what to do, and these cards kept coming back as something to work on. And so I listened, and I pulled out the art again, and I was better at it now. <laughs> I knew what I was doing better in making, I, I'd learned a little bit about how to use Photoshop better in the 11 years in between. And so I redid the artwork on every one of the cards. 
and I put together a Kickstarter campaign and advertised it. And um, I also had found more information on how to self-publish and how much it would cost. And I set my goal way lower than I should have. (sighs) But I met my goal. I met beyond my goal. And then now they exist. So this thing that was just a random thought is real in the world. And 400 people own copies of them now. I'm almost to halfway through the supply that I ordered. So that's my story. And it was easy to get the the major arcana correlations, um, but I'm wondering how did you then approach the minor arcana um, and and create that correlation for uh, the, the structure of the deck to follow with the more traditional tarot structure? Right. Well, one other thing about the major arcana was I decided the way I wanted to design the cards was to have the drawing of the goddess and in the background of the card there is a photograph. I wanted a photograph of the natural world and so it was that juxtaposition of this art and nature because for me the Dharma wheel and the wheel of the year are interposed on each other. They're they're not separate. And so celebrating the wheel of nature is something that I I brought out in the major arcana. And that's important when going into the minor arcana because a lot of what ended up being the meaning of the cards came from the backgrounds that I chose. First of all, I chose four tools because the traditional witch's tarot has the four tools of the athame, the pentacle, the cup, and the wand. And so I chose four specific symbols in Tibetan Buddhism, and I later found out that this is completely mine. (laughs) Nobody else connects these four images to the four elements, but I did. Um, I chose the Vajra, which um, is kind of like a, a little scepter for fire because it represents lightning and strength. I chose the bell, which is always paired with the Vajra in Buddhist rituals. I I chose the bell for air because you have to have air inside of a bell for it to make sound, and sound travels through the air. And then um, for water, I chose vases because there are a number of different vases used in the various Buddhist art. And I was making these decisions after I had already done the major arcana, and the the major arcana, the different Tara images, she's holding all of these implements. She's holding all of these tools, these things. So I had already looked at the pictures and had I did research to find out what these things were that she was holding. So I already had that kind of in the back of my head. I, so I chose the vases for water. And then earth was the one that I had the hardest time with. At first, I almost chose lotuses. But I decided that that wasn't quite right. Um, And what I landed on was the wheel. The wheel made a lot of sense because it it kind of felt similar to the pentacle. But the coolest thing, it's amazing how things that I chose somewhat arbitrarily have meaning now. Having the wheel representing earth, usually we think about earth as being the stable, solid, not moving thing. 
but our earth is always moving. We are always in this process of movement. And so it brought an entirely different dimension into all of the earth cards, this concept of the moving earth, the changing earth. So I I had gone through several different books to find out what traditionally the different cards meant. And then I chose a word related to my Dharma teachings. A lot of the words for the minor arcana come straight out of different prayers um, that that I do. And then I chose an image to back that, that concept up. And then I worked with them for 11 more years <laughs> to actually figure out what they meant. So I did not know what to do with the court cards. I wanted them to be manifestations of Tara, but they had to be different manifestations of Tara. And I knew eight right away. There's the primary text I used was the 21 praises of Tara, but there's a second text called Tara Tames the Eight Fears. And and this is another dance practice that we do. Usually we do it with children, actually, but it's such a powerful practice. There's so much to it. The concept of it is that um, there are these eight external fears, like elephants and fire and um, snakes, but that those represent internal fears of jealousy and anger. And then there's the antidote to the fear. So those eight were obvious, but I needed eight more. And so... With a lot of time and contemplation, I decided on um, the eight auspicious symbols, which were very meaningful to me when I saw them on temples in India and Nepal. And so the, the idea of the offering goddess offering these eight auspicious symbols as the other eight of the court cards. Originally, I tried to force them into the elemental suits, and it didn't work. So I I gave up on trying to force them and said, okay, the court cards are just, they are 16 cards on their own. Um, Sometimes you just can't force things. Um, So for people who don't have um, a background with uh, Tara, can you tell us a little bit about who she is and sort of how she, or sort of who she is sort of generally, but also who she is for you? Okay. Well, the story of Tara, the the myth of Tara is that she was an ordinary woman in a different dimension, a different time and place than where we live. But she was an ordinary woman who was dedicated to attaining enlightenment. And in this teaching, enlightenment is not a constant state and it's not a place. Nirvana is not like heaven uh, in another culture. It's It's a state of mind. And you can come in and out of enlightenment, but some people with enough practice, they come to essentially a permanent state of enlightened mind. And that is when they become Buddhas. There there are many different Buddhas. Buddha is a title. It's not a name of a specific person. The specific person we think about as Buddha is Shakyamuni Buddha, who was Siddhartha Sattva beneath the Bodhi tree and all of that. He was the first Buddha in our world, but there are Buddhas in all dimensions and all space. Mm-hmm. Well, Tara was somewhere else, and when she achieved enlightenment, she took a vow called the Bodhicitta vow, 
And this vow says that she's going to stay in the realm of suffering until all beings have attained enlightenment because we are all connected to each other. And so for one person to be enlightened and leave everybody else behind doesn't really work because we're connected. So this, by doing this, she became a bodhisattva, uh, which is another title of a Buddha. Well, bodhisattvas, they take a specific vow and they are given a specific gift. And that's what makes them separate from each other. Their, their qualities are separate from each other based on their individual vows and their individual gift. And up until this point in the patriarchal system, because this other system was also patriarchal, all women who attained enlightenment automatically wanted to be men because it was so much easier to be a man according to the patriarchal culture. They don't have to worry about all those women things. And Tara said, if all beings are going to attain enlightenment, then all beings need to be able to see themselves as enlightened. So I will remain in the body of a woman until the end of time. And all of her manifestations have been female. Female forms have arisen time and time again as Tara in our system, the way that she got here, according to her legend, the Buddha Amitabha, he um, helped all of the souls that he found, he helped them attain enlightenment, and then he found an entire group of other people, and he cried a pool of tears because he knew that he could never do this by himself. And in that pool of tears, a lotus grew, and... Out of that lotus came Tara because she could travel between the dimensions, between all space. And she said, I'm here. I'm here to help. And so she came into this system and the Tibetan people claimed her as their mother. She is the mother of all Tibetan people. And the most well-known text, the text I mentioned, is the 21 Praises of Tara. This is something that every Tibetan person that I have ever met is familiar with. It school children will chant the 21 praises of Tara as like when they're jumping rope. Um, and there are many, many different rituals and different blessings related to this text and to Tara in general and Tara empowerment. And Tara has a lot of different faces uh, in most, um, in most of the Buddhist schools the 21 praises represent 21 different Taras. They're kind of like facets of the same thing. We've got the central Tara and then light radiating from that central Tara into different colors and different forms that are for specific things. So, and then she has hundreds of thousands of other manifestations as well. These 22 are just kind of the primary ones. When we practice Tara in, in the practices that I do, we are encouraged to visualize Tara above us. We, we have artwork. We, we connect to the artwork, and there's all of these different symbols. But then we are encouraged to remove our mind's veils and recognize the Tara that's inside of us because every person has 
within them all of the qualities of all of the bodhisattvas, we just get confused because we have these veils that, that hide our true nature. And so the more we practice that, the more we can live according to these qualities. So, for example, one of the qualities is invincible courage. I have invincible courage inside of me, but sometimes I forget. It's very easy to forget because I live in this world of confusion and suffering that um, makes me forget that I have this. But if I tell myself on a regular basis that I manifest this over and over again with my practice, then at the time when I need invincible courage, then it's there. It's ready for me. Uh, when I was going through cancer, I really held on to one of the specific Taras, Transformer of Poisons, because I saw the cancer as a poison and that Tara empowered me to transform it from inside of me. Her image is, uh, the image that's associated with her is the peacock, because the peacock would... Uh, in legend, eat poison, and that's what made the colors. And so I concentrated on images of peacocks and images of beauty and how I could bring beauty into this horrible, ugly, awful time. In fact, I just finished um, I just finished writing a book called Transformer of Poisons. It's about that whole story. I had the the memory of the practices. And when my life got really horrible, I could call on it. I could remember that that was there. And even in some of the darkest times, I could do the mantras. Mantras are prayers that are just, they're sacred syllables that you can say over and over again. I could see the images. I could tell other people to say the prayers and to see the images and to, and it created a magic that's powerful and real. And and I'm still here. Right on. So when people talk about Tara and refer to her as a goddess, is that like a is that like a um a very Western sort of way of experiencing her? Or is that just the, the best word we have? It depends on the person. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, some people. There are actually a lot of Western Buddhists who have a real problem with any sort of alternative view of these the buddhist deities if you want to call them deities they're very different from the understanding of deity as being an external force that you worship mm -hmm. uh, my teachers have been very specific we don't worship tara we are tara and so but in that we are worshiping ourselves as well if you think about the term worship meaning things of worth and finding worth. I am worthy because I am Tara inside. It's a very panentheistic view of Tara being within and without at the same time. Um, I have heard Tibetan people refer to her as a goddess. Um, I've heard Tibetan teachers refer to her as a goddess, which is interesting because they very rarely call the male Buddhas gods. Mm -hmm. um, but she's special. <laughs> right on. So she gets, she gets, I guess, a little bit of, of special attention. And she does connect in so many ways. Her stories and her forms and her images connect to so many of the other goddesses, particularly the Hindu goddesses. Um, the goddess Kali is 
very her if you look at the images of Kali and the images of Tara next to her, some of her ferocious forms, they're very, very similar in the things that they're holding, the things that they're doing. And then some of the other ones, um, Quan Yin is often compared because she is, of course, the Chinese goddess of compassion. And Tara is at her center form, wisdom, compassion, and power. And Sarasvati and Lakshmi. And I mean, the list goes on and on. But especially if you think about the fact that these countries are all very close to each other. And people moved back and forth for many, many years. The name Tara is actually Sanskrit. The name that Tibetan people call her is Droma. Um, So there's a lot of crossover. Just like with other, with the more Western mythologies, we can see as you study, as you go back deeper, there are so many different crossovers between cultures. That's how humanity grew. But that's also my one of my arguments, not that I argue about it that often, but one <laughs> of my arguments about why it, it's appropriate and not appropriation for practices like the dance practice and my cards to bring Western ideas and Eastern ideas together into one spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I wrote my master's thesis about the intercultural implications of the dance practice and how um, it is an example of a cultural exchange rather than an appropriation. Everything that I do is out of honor and respect, Mm -hmm. but I also have to claim which parts of it are mine, that some of the things that speak to me and speak to a more Western-oriented mind are not the original things. I have a really hard time sitting through an hour-long Tara practice in Tibetan Mm. where I'm not looking at anything or I'm listening to a language that's not mine and they're doing different things with different tools that I don't understand. I have a hard time with that, even though I value it. Mm -hmm. I get a lot more out of things that are in English and that are translated into ideas that connect to other ideas that I understand. To me, that's the Dharma speaking in my language. It's using imagery from both. And you've referred to yourself as a Dharma pagan. Can you maybe expound on that a little bit and describe what that um, classification is? Absolutely. There are a lot of people who are interested in both paganism and in Dharma practices, Buddhism, um, Taoism, Hinduism, any of the Dharma practices. But there are not a lot of people that I know of that are using them together at the same time, who bring the Dharma into the pagan ritual practices or bring the pagan ritual practices like Tarot into the Dharma practices. For me, the two have been very closely linked as I grew as a priestess because I was studying and practicing as a pagan priestess and I was also studying and practicing as a Dharma practitioner and the two very, very cleanly merged for me. One of the things I had to reconcile was I had to reconcile this idea of suffering 
with the wheel of the year because this the first noble truth that the Buddha teaches is that everything in this world is suffering. Everything that we experience is suffering. And that seemed against the idea of celebrating the natural world, celebrating the cycle of life and the different parts of our lives. And the, the simplest explanation I have for it is that the key is mindfulness. If you are living in confusion, then the wheel of the year doesn't make any sense. It does. You, if you are not um, approaching it from a perspective of mindfulness, then you cannot truly appreciate the beauty and the life and the value and the preciousness that is this situation that we're in of being able to connect to connect to each other, to connect to the world. And so through the Dharma, through the, the many different teachings, I feel like my practice of the Wheel of the Year is enhanced, and my understanding of nature enhances my Dharma practice. I, I have an entire system. Um, my particular pagan tradition is called Spirit Wheel, and it is the wheel of the year and the wheel of the Dharma as they intersect. And I, I have a whole system of the moons that go along with the, the Buddhist auspicious symbols and the witches four tools. I have um, very specific teachings that go with each Sabbath. And it's just become the way that I work is um, both. <laughs> both are part of my life all the time. You mentioned that the the form of Tara that resonated for you during the time you were dealing with cancer was the transformer of poisons. Yes. Um, I'm wondering, could you maybe mention what major arcana card that particular aspect of Tara correlates to, and maybe talk about one or two others of how uh, of what the the aspect of Tara is and what the major arcana card is, including I think you said there was a couple that you switched the order of. Yes, yes. Okay, so Tara, Transformer of Poisons, corresponds to the moon. Um, she is, let me see, I, I can read the praise that goes with it if I can get to it. But she is um, white, a white Tara, and she holds the moon in her hand. The actual traditional Tibetan image, she's holding a moon. And so it's just so clearly the moon in in the image connected to um, the tarot archetype. Now, the actual meaning, often the traditional tarot meaning of the moon is anxiety, insecurity, fear, illusion. But the transformer of poison encompasses that to me because she includes the poisons and then transforming those poisons, transforming the anxiety and fear into something that is meaningful. Her praise is, praise her who holds the moon in her hand, a heavenly ocean reflecting the peaceful deer. She chants the syllables of tare tare te, with this blessing all poisons are transformed. And so these poisons of the mind are like enemies that sabotage our good intentions, and we have 
this opportunity to use our own intuitive nature to transform that. So that's Tara Transformer of Poisons. And actually, that is one that is one where I actually changed I changed which image went with her because it was weird 17 and 18 the images were backwards no 18 and 19 the images were backwards but the only two of the major arcana that I switched were number numbers 14 and 15 14 is traditionally the temperance and 15 is traditionally the devil right do you guys know it, we, we just might <laughs> and you are correct <laughs> <laughs> well i've done it this way for so long um but ferocious compassion is number 14 and she is definitely correspondent to the devil ferocious compassion is the one that is the most like kali she's purple which is the color of magnetism and discipline combined and she's trampling on a corpse she's holding um, a cup a skull cup of blood she has skulls necklaces and she has all of these weapons that she's holding and the concept of her is shaking things up because it's the way it's supposed to be tough love ferocious compassion is the the mother who must punish her child to keep the child from harm. Um, when we're pursuing a path of self-destruction, we this Tara forces us to take compassion and to change our our direction. And that corresponds a lot to this idea of the devil, the traditional bondage, addiction, darkness, um, her praise is, praise her who strikes the earth with her palm. Earth's foundation is shaken as she tramples with her feet. With a graspful, wrathful glance and the powerful sound of Hong, she subdues confusion throughout the seven realms. And so she was very clearly the devil, even though the devil is usually number 15 and she was number 14. While number 15 in the Taras is serene peace, which is so much more temperance. Um, the the idea of bringing all of these elements together into harmony, and she is she is a very calm Tara. She is white, and she in in my image she is this beautiful blissful day at the beach with the blue sky and the the waves that come in and out and this is the purpose of this type of peace is recognizing that you can have this peace you can go to this happy place even when it's not a blue sky day but that it's still there and she's holding the lotus um for purity she's holding a vase and a cup of fruits she's she's abundance in her peacefulness so um very much the the epitome of temperance. Those were the only two that I changed directly. And actually, that was based on the, the teachings that Prema gave. She had decided already that those two needed to switch. And I agreed. I <laughs> that made a lot of sense. Um, yeah, see. I think it works better to ha- for as a, as, a, as a reader um, to have 
the order sort of match the majors more so than like be slavishly connected to like the ordering of the Taras. Well, the order of the Taras though was important to me. I switched the two. Uh, the the order of the Taras tells a story within itself. And right now I'm doing a class where we're going through and, and someone had suggested, well, maybe you should do all the green ones and then all the red ones. And, and I said, well, I could, but <laughs> there's something really beautiful about seeing the story, seeing how they connect to the ones before and after. I want to tell you about one of the gold Taras because um, the colors are very important. There are five colors of the Buddha families. If you ever see, like, if you see prayer flags, Tibetan prayer flags, you'll see that they're five colors, and they're always those same five colors if they're actually tr- more traditional prayer mm-hmm. flags. The five colors are red, green, white, blue, and gold, and they represent specific energies. And so the color of each Tara is really important for the energy. The energy of the the white is peacefulness or pacification. Blue is wrathful or precision discipline. Gold is abundance. Red is magnetism. And green is enlightened activity. Now, the primary thing, if you hear about Tara most of the time, you hear about green Tara. And that's because that is the central Tara of wisdom, compassion, and power, who also corresponds to the fool. The central Tara, the center color, the color of life in the Tibetan system is green. Green is the color that makes up all things. And so that is that is the beginning. Now, let's see. That central Tara, zero, corresponding to the fool is, is that emptiness and the completeness of zero and the the willingness to step forward now her image is the very traditional image she has her left hand at her heart in a mudra of refuge and her right hand is down in a mudra of giving Mm -hmm. a mudra is a specific hand gesture she's holding a lotus that blooms by her ear and her right leg is extended forward because she's ready to go to all who need her and all of this it is very similar to the full image of looking out and stepping forward into the the new unknown the next thing and the the spontaneity the freedom that connects to the fool that was a green one and then let's see for a gold one I just did a class in Tara number four, All Victorious. She's gold. And um, she is corresponds to the emperor, that structure and foundation. Now, gold in the Buddhist tradition is the color of earth. And so abundance, the abundant earth. Her praise is, praise her who sits above the heads of the Buddhas, enjoying and abiding in complete and infinite victory. Those who have mastered, achieved the six perfections, the children of the enlightened ones, deeply honor her. And so she's traditionally seen as um, being on top of the gold mountains. I chose to put her actually in the valley between two mountains because 
first of all, that reflected that V shape, but also it we have victory over the mountaintop experiences. We also have victory over the valleys, over the times when we're not in the peak experience. And we we that is the stability, is knowing that we have everything that we need. We we are stable. And that, that is um very much an image of leadership. There there's a lot of give and take in this tarot. So I'm wondering if we might be able to entice you into a sample reading with your deck so people can hear how it works in practice. So I thought that we might ask uh what Rachel Pollack has termed wisdom questions. Uh, and uh, give them a little bit of a Buddhist leaning. Uh, so the first question was, what is suffering? The second question is, what is compassion? And the third question is, how in 2016 do I need to work with both of those best? Interesting. Very Interesting. I my um standard reading is I created a spread that's in the, the mandala shape of the dance that I practice and it has several different levels a mandala is a center point radiating outward and so it starts with the center and then there's a triangle and then a circle and another circle and a short reading for me is usually um the triangle on the center and the idea of it is um, the center is what is waiting to be born, and then the triangle is supporting that. So I think that I want to answer your questions through that short reading structure. So we have the what is the nature of compassion, what is the nature of suffering, and how in 2016... Either, can, either to best work with those, or maybe if it's the triangle at the top one, it's how those two come together in 2016 for us or something like that. Okay. So what is being born at the center of our mind, of our mandala is mindfulness tamed the elephants of ignorance. This is one of our court cards. I wish I could show them to you because it's just they're they're so visual. But um one of the court cards she is a gold tara and she is taming the elephant. Now within one Buddhist tradition, the ele- there are two states of mind that need to be um reined in the elephant and the monkey monkey mind is really fast and going 50 miles an hour and when you're meditating it's really hard to rein in that monkey mind and bring it down the elephant mind on the other hand is slow and doesn't really want to do anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know here we're in in the epitome of when people are trying to to tame their elephant minds you know you know that you should meditate but it's so much work or you you know that you should eat healthy but it's so much work and so a lot of times we are content to be ignorant 
instead of taming that elephant. And the elephant then gets bigger and bigger and starts to crush us. So the taming of this elephant is through mindfulness, the antidote. Mindfulness, taking each moment, taking one step at a time and paying attention. And through that attention, then making the choices accordingly. So with that at the center, I think that it can help us know that we it's so easy to stay in a state of suffering. We are so attached to suffering, it's not even funny. We all love to suffer. We love to talk about how much we suffer and stay and wallow in that suffering. But if we're truly mindful of the actuality of the situation, first of all, we recognize that there is so much more suffering than our suffering. And we also can recognize, and that can give us compassion, compassion for all the others who are also in this suffering world. But we also can move out of it because we're no longer ignorant, because we're paying just a little bit of attention. It doesn't have to be a lot. This is about the little things. And so we're going to go into the next three cards to see how we can do that a little bit more. And the next card that I pull in the triangle is the mastery the Ten of Wheels. And on this card, we have a mountain. We also have ten wheels, and one wheel is holding up the other nine. And sometimes it can feel like we're holding up the mountain all by ourselves, like we're, we're Atlas and the weight of the world is on top of us. But you get there one step at a time. You, you balance all of the different plates one step at a time. And so this mindfulness that's going to bring us into um, into alleviating our suffering through compassion for others. This mindfulness is something that takes just a single step at a time and we can come to a place of mastery. Mastery is not about resting. It's not about waiting. It's about holding and doing and allowing yourself to to have a level of victory over the difficult thing. The next card is another Tara Tames the Eight Fears. Interesting. One would think we have some fears going on, um, which I think is pretty a- accurate for most people. Our next one is the, the fear of the fire of anger. Forgiveness tames the fire of anger. Anger is... Um, one of the most destructive things in our minds. Anger towards ourselves, anger towards others, it consumes us and can completely destroy us. We, in the the purification practice that I do to remove the mind's veils, we say that we reveal our negativities to purify anger, hatred, and war. Now, what that means is we're opening ourselves to look inside to see the things we've done wrong, the things we've done right, all of it, everything that's inside of us, Tara can see inside of us. And she sees all of our good qualities. She sees all of our bad qualities. And she loves us regardless. And so if we are Tara, then we have the urgency to treat other people that way. That even when they have hurt us, 
recognizing that we are connected, that they have done good things, that they have done bad things, and regardless, we love them. That doesn't mean that we put ourselves in harm's way. This is not, of course, an excuse to go be abused by the same person over and over again, but get yourself into a safe situation, of course. But love, forgiveness will quench that anger, even if it's just inside yourself. And finding that that way of revealing yourself and recognizing the parts of yourself that need that mother's love. And finally, we have the Six of Wheels, which is the card of benefit. This card has fruit in the background. And this is a result card. It says that many things have gone into building to this result, this fruitfulness, this abundance. And yet, there's no way that you could eat this entire banquet of fruit before it goes bad. So, this benefit encourages us to give, encourages us to give to others. So, if we are taking our mindfulness to the level of mastery, we're forgiving those who have caused us harm. This will bring this amazing benefit into our lives. And that gives us the opportunity to bring benefit to others. Because that's really what abundance is all about. It's giving. Because we we need, I mean, we need whatever abundance that we have. The reason that I need money to pay my rent is so I can do this work. The reason that we need food is so our bodies keep going. The reason that we need mindfulness is so that we can move past the suffering that is oppressing us, like these elephants of ignorance. So that's my four-card reading. It's it's a beautiful fusion, both of like, so traditional, I mean, not more tarot ideas, what we think of as tarot ideas, but also your relationship with Tara. It's a, that was a beautiful reading. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, and I was wondering... I often have- say that when I do readings, I'm mm-hmm. really kind of giving Dharma teachings. Um, mm-hmm. Just which Dharma teaching needs to come out is whichever card comes out. Um, I have had people who wonder, well, I don't know anything about the Dharma. And so will this deck mean anything to me? But I have watched as a person who knows nothing about Buddhism at all, picks it up and, and is able to read it because of the pictures because of the words and also because of the the expressions in the different um the different images you know they w- might not say the same thing but they say oh benefit fruit hmm mm-hmm. and and they can come up with a reason why that fits according to their own framework of and mindset so, so mm-hmm. i don't want people to be scared off of the deck if they don't know anything about buddhism because mm-hmm. There's so much here, even if you don't know the details of what the specific um, tools mean or the specific stories behind them. So if someone was out there and they have a deck that they want to create and they haven't done it yet and you could only give them one piece of advice, (laughs) what would your uh, piece of advice be for them? It will cost more than you think it will. Okay, excellent. (laughs) (laughs) 
It will, and uh, I did my Kickstarter. I set my Kickstarter at four thousand, and I ended up with fifty five hundred, which seemed great. I was like, mm-hmm. fantastic! I'm going to have enough to be able to cover everything. And then I'd already set the whole process in motion, and found out that it was two thousand dollars for shipping. Oh man! Two thousand dollars for shipping. Um, that's what you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fantastic. Oh, you know, I really appreciate that very practical advice. That's good. To, you know, that's good to hear because I think sometimes when kicks uh, tarot kick, there's like a lot of tarot kickstarters out there, and some of them lately. I mean, the price has been going up. I've seen like um, ten, fifteen thousand dollars being sort of a norm as far as the goal, and I, I hear tarot readers question that figure. No, and, that was uh, an appropriate amount. Yeah, and so I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I really wanted to it to happen, and so mm-hmm. I set my goal low because I wanted it to happen. The beautiful thing is that it has gone out in so many different directions. Just yesterday, I got an order from the Netherlands and Italy on the same day, and I'm like, how did that happen? I, I'm not advertising to the Netherlands or Italy. Um, but apparently they got to the website somehow and thought that's worth me buying. It's also a little bit higher priced than the ones that are on the more regular market. But part of that is it costs so much to produce them. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a big challenge for me, deciding how much to charge because how much is it worth? And you mentioned uh, a couple times your website. If, if people are intrigued and they they want to know more, yes. if only just to see the picture of you receiving the decks, where should people go? And then are there any upcoming events that, that we should know about? Yes. TaraWisdomCards.com. Very simple. TaraWisdomCards.com. Mm-hmm. I also have a Facebook page. I have an Etsy store. I have a whole bunch of other stuff. But that's the primary Tara website. It has all sorts of information, and it has pictures of the cards. These cards are just beautiful. I can't believe I did the artwork. Um, really, I, I don't know how I did that because I'm not that good of an artist usually. <laughs> but Tara. Um, and I have a really cool event coming up. Um, first of all, um, I'm going to be at PantheaCon in February. I'm going to be doing readings there. I'm doing a workshop. Um not about Tara, actually, but I am still I'm doing a workshop there. And then I am leading a retreat in April here in the Northeast. Um, it's going to be in Massachusetts with my teacher, Prema. She's going to be here. She lives in Hawaii. So the fact that she's here at all is pretty phenomenal. Prema Dasara. Mm-hmm. And she teaches all over the world. Um, lives in Hawaii, but she's going to be here. She's coming to visit, and we wanted to do an event, and so uh, it occurred to me that we could do something more than just like a single day, that if we're working together, we have so much to offer. So we're doing an intensive weekend retreat uh, about Tara and the Tarot, and it's going to include um, dancing and divination and ritual and all of this amazing, wonderful stuff. And there will be information on my website. Very Well, there is actually already a page on the website about it. And registration will be opening soon. It, it's also a very affordable price for a residential retreat. Um, so very excited about that. That'll be the first time that Prema and I are teaching together, uh, which I've been teaching for many, many years. She's, of course, been teaching as long as I've been alive. But for us to teach together is a real treat. 
Um, and do, I also wondered if you could tell us what kind of services, readings, et cetera, that you offer. Absolutely. I do um, readings by Internet. Um, through. I use um, various different Internet services. I also could do a recorded reading, like where we don't have a specific time that we meet, but I re- do the reading for you and I send you the video. So I'm talking to you, but you're not. We don't have to line up a time. I do phone readings. I do email short readings. Those are my least expensive readings. But I actually will send. I'll pull the cards and I'll send you an email with pictures of the cards. Every reading I do, I send the video with. Even if I do a phone reading, I take a video while I'm doing the phone reading and send it. That way, you can see the cards because I just think these cards are so vi- visual. I also do a couple of other random other types of readings. I have a Harry Potter tarot deck that I do Harry Potter readings. I do, um, I'm actually working on a Doctor Who tarot deck. I'm such a geek. Uh, so yeah, I do I do a couple of other things as well. Um, those are all, uh, that information is all on the website too and on in the Etsy store. I do gift readings too. I just did a reading this morning that was a gift for an anniversary to a couple, and I thought that was really awesome. And I'm running a special for the month of January to get 2016 off right. My special it's um, half price for a full reading. Wow. 25 what... instead of 50. And are there angels in your Doctor Who deck? There would be. Oh, then but... then I can't look at those cards. Uh, yeah. Well, their faces will be covered. But oh my goodness! I, I haven't fully seen how I'm doing that yet, but I'm so excited about the ideas. I've been playing with it. Um, the the workshop I'm leading at PantheaCon is Defense Against the Dark Arts, which I've been teaching for ten years. Uh, Wait a minute. Now, if you're a Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, you can only teach for one year, isn't that the uh, official? The <laughs> broken. Oh, okay. Oh, the curse has been broken. All right. So, there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but uh, I ran a summer camp for 10 years where I was the headmistress and taught Defense Against the Dark Arts. And I don't get to teach as much right now, but I'm very excited that I'm going to be taking that Wonderful. to PantheaCon. And for anybody listening, PantheaCon will take place in February, the Second weekend of February, the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, I believe, in San Jose, California. Yes, it's a very large gathering of many, many people and just a wonderful way to connect to a large group of um, pagan-minded folk. We would like to say a thousand thank yous to you for taking time to join us on our show today. Well, I am very um, honored that I can share this this thing that was created through me um, with the world because the way that I close my readings is with a prayer of benefit. Can I, can I give that to you and your listeners now? Please do. So, whatever wisdom, compassion, and power we have achieved through this sincere practice, may it be for the benefit of all. Faha, so ha, so it is. And so it is. So it is. Well, thank you so much, and we will encourage people to check out your website at tarawisdomcards.com and see everything you have to offer and hopefully get a deck for themselves, 
maybe take advantage of a reading with you um, and just explore a bit as to who you are and what you have to offer there. So thank you very much for being here. Thank you both. And stay tuned because coming up will be your chance to get a reading with Charlie and I during the show. If you'd like to get into the queue for that, you can connect in from the show page or you can call 646-716-5510 and that will get you into the queue. So Charlie and I here at the Amethyst Oracle will be right back. Homage to you, swift and fearless heroine whose eyes are like an instant flash of lightning. Listening to the Amethyst Oracle Divination with a Queer Twist with hosts High C and Charlie Harrington. Find out more at Facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. Enjoy the show. And welcome back. <laughs> Did you enjoy the the those kind of <laughs> <clears throat> um, well, as they they claim them to be the Latin pop stylings of the Twenty One Tar. <laughs> I I mean that's fusion for you, right? I mean I'm from, we we live in California where everything's a fusion restaurant, so I, I get a Latin uh, pop uh, Tibetan mashup. It just makes too much sense to me. <laughs> well, I. Um, I found it interesting and amusing. 
to mm. hear them done. This album actually has them in all different styles. <laughs> it was just very interesting. Mm. <laughs> so ho- hopefully people enjoy just hearing them done in slightly different ways <laughs> than what we might think of as traditional. I mean, make it yours, right? That's sort of the secret. That's the the fusion of tarot and Tara, you know, make it yours. That's right. It's all about fusion tonight, all about fusion. <laughs> so we've, we've reached the point in the show where we offer our monthly insight into living the queer life. Mm. And we each pull a card or something similar from whatever tool or oracle we might be using to look at how to be our best, queerest, most authentic, healthiest self in the coming month. Mm. So what is it that you will be using this evening, Charlie, as your oracle? I, I have pulled a card from... The legend, the Arthurian tarot, which it's a, it is a fusion. It's um, a deck created um, by Mara Freeman with Llewellyn to tell the story of King Arthur through the tarot, and it's sort of one of the earlier um, theme decks that really kind of ran with it, right? And um, it's been a favorite of mine. It was my second tarot deck ever. So I've been working with it for a long time, and um, so you can kind of you can come at it from the approach of like with a lot of theme decks, just you know, knowledge of the tarot cards, but also it really helps to sort of know the stories of Arthurian legend. And um, the card I pulled is the Three of Spears, which is in that deck. It's like the Three of Wands, and the metaphor or the story is the story of the horse fair, and it's interesting. Um, Throughout the deck, there's you know some of the, the cards are mythological figures, some of them are um, particular stories, and some of them are actually historical items. And this is one of the historical items: the horse fair in um, Dark Age Britain was one of the times when people from all over, all, all different parts, would come together. So post the uh, Roman. Uh, departure, people got a bit siloed, but the horse fair is, um, often they were held on holy days and um, at that point Christian holy days, (laughs) and uh, people would come from all over to trade horses which were a very important part of the uh, that time British economy and military so um, it's interesting, so the three of spears it's uh, in this sense, it's sort of about about putting yourself out there, but the, you know the three M and negotiating with others and blending with others. Uh, sometimes I, th- I see that in the, you know the three of coins is the blending, but in this one, it is about we you know often the three of the three of wands has to do with uh, taking a risk, going out into the world, trying something, but. Um, the three of spears in this deck uh it is the time for you to make your way in the world so uh for me thinking about this time what time of the year it is it just sort of suggests that it's time to leave the nest it's time to come out of hibernation a little bit 
Um, turn off Netflix if you're me. And uh, put yourself out there and take risks. But also negotiation is a big part, which I don't usually associate negotiation with the three of wands. But with this deck, that is a part of the meaning of it is is that when you put yourself... Okay, so I, I, I hope I'm not doing that tarot reader thing of saying two opposite things at the same time. Um, but So I'm going to be careful about that. But put yourself out there. But also... When you're doing that, know that, you know, you are, the world is filled with other people who are putting themselves out there and it is an opportunity to blend and negotiate and to uh, form alliances in your life. So uh, it's it's being aware of other people as you are making your way. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. <laughs> the three I mean that three of wands to me is always like it's it is take the risk and um manifest and bring into being what what you are passionate about instead of leaving it in the ether or waiting for the time when the time is right or for someone else to make a move. So three of wands, three of spears, uh I'm trying to think of a dog and pony show reference to, for that horse fair, but I can't come up with anything. So, anyway, how about you, Heisey? What did you come up with? Well, <clears throat> I actually decided to use the sustain yourself. Ooh. I don't know if it's an oracle or if it's just sustain yourself cards. Uh, it's by James Wanless, who also created the Voyager Tarot. Uh, and it is another. Um, collage type of deck, the same that he did with his Voyager deck. Uh, different uh, in the way that the cards look and stuff, but it is collage. Um, and, you know, it's it's designed as a deck to really help us be as self-sustainable as possible and to inspire us into an evolved way of life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> So I like to pull it, uh, you know, to say how can I best sustain or what is most sustainable in the way that I need to be here, in this case, in the coming month. So hence the reason I've used it. Um, And I actually, which may not be very typical for either how he thought of this uh, being used or how a lot of people may use it, but I will incorporate reversals with this deck. Um, So the card that came up, actually came up reversed. So the the main name or title of the card is heart and the keyword for it is health. And it came up reversed. Now, we could look at that literally and say that we want to pay attention to what's going on with our health, especially anything related to circulation, um mm-hmm. blood, uh, you know, uh, anything like that. And it also means that the reversal can suggest that we maybe either could have some health issues in the coming month that we want to really um, pay attention to and not neglect uh, taking care of. And we also just want to focus on where and how are we not perhaps acting, living, doing things in the healthiest of ways 
and what do we need to do to improve that or to change that um, or perhaps to even stop engaging in some unhealthy habits. Um, the, you know, if we look a little bit deeper in the sense of heart and that kind of thing, there's also that idea of the the rhythm, like the, the rhythm of the heartbeat and the pulse of the heart. And the reversal of this would say that we may be feeling as if we're just a little bit out of sync this month. We're just a little bit off beat or off rhythm this month. Um, and the the one thing to look at when this card reverses is, am I going with and operating according to my own pulse? Or have I started to take on the pulse and the rhythm of the people and the things around me? And is that serving me well? Or is that causing me to lose sense of myself or to make decisions and things that aren't necessarily what I would want or what my intuition might say is best, but instead it's going along with what other people are wanting or needing or finding myself giving in to groupthink rather mm -hmm. than maintaining that sense of what I might be thinking, which I think is also key for this card because normally this card upright would represent the idea of uh, listen to your heart or go with your heart. And I think the reversal here is kind of like reversing cups in the tarot. It's saying this is a time to perhaps not let emotion be so much of what is guiding or, or um, impacting how we are acting or reacting and responding to things, but to step back and maybe go a little bit more into the headspace to be a little more objective, to look mm -hmm. at things a little more realistically, uh, and to decide to act to, to move from there, uh, from that kind of logical, rational place, rather than from an emotional place. And emotion isn't bad. It's just that this may suggest we would tend to get overly emotional or we would let emotion override what we know might be more logically the right or the best thing to do. Excellent. I think that's awesome. Uh, so it's very positive. Well... There's, I see hope <laughs> in it. Well, but, uh, it's, I like the, uh, but I like your, your mention of moving into the headspace and not always acting um, with from from an emotional place. Because sometimes we we can fool ourselves with uh, into thinking like, well, I'm going with my gut, and there, therefore that is the the best thing, you know. And, right. Uh, and then regret that later. Well, and or. Or we, we don't do something, we don't deal with an issue, we don't talk to somebody about something that has come up because uh, our emotions say, oh, I don't want to upset them. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or it would be too upsetting for me. Um, you know, and this would say, well, but it may be better to not worry about the emotional component so much, but to just go ahead and have the conversation anyway, because it's necessary. I, I like the idea of, you know, and this is kind of that Buddhist idea, if we think back to our guest earlier, uh, it's it's the idea of like right action mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and compassion. You know, sometimes with compassion, compassion doesn't mean it's always saying yes to everyone and everything. Um, and people sometimes think that if I say no, then I'm being mean or I'm not being compassionate or I'm not being nice or I'm not um, you know, 
sacrificing to uh, support what somebody else is needing in this moment or whatever. Um, but sometimes right action is actually saying no. And sometimes the most compassionate thing to do is to have a very clear boundary. Uh, and I think that's what this card reversed would also say, is there are going to be boundary issues that we need to really be conscientious about this month so that we aren't just too receptive, too allowing, too giving in at the expense of ourselves or at the risk of creating a more harmful situation um, versus an, um, there might be a more immediate upset because we say no to something, but in the long run that may actually be what is healthier for everyone involved. Excellent. Well, January should be fun then. Don't you think? Yes. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I think that this came up too because we're in a, basically January is a Mercury retrograde for the whole month. Yeah. So that that need to double check things and to not just make assumptions and that kind of thing, I think, ties right into this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The, consider your fellow human being every once in a while. But, but also consider yourself. You know, I've seen it come up in different places a lot over the past few days, and I think it. when I see something like that from various sources, um, I start to think, oh, there is a theme emerging that may be something either I need to listen to or is just a bigger theme of what's going on right now for people to be paying attention to. And the theme that I've seen come up over the past few days all over the place is I keep seeing people talk about self-care. Hmm. And so... You know, it's one thing to be compassionate and to understanding and, you know, uh, of our fellow human beings. But we can't do that at the neglect of our own well-being. And sometimes we can we can step across that line and we start to give too much, do too much, um, you know, be too open. And mm-hmm. then we end up pushing ourselves to the point and here with health, we make ourselves sick because we've been trying to do too many things for too many people, neglecting our own, you know, eating well, health regimen, getting enough sleep, those kind of things, um, very practical kind of things. So, Yeah, and I noticed so when my coven got together, uh, we talked a bit about resolutions. Uh, last year was kind of a push-yourself resolution year, where it was sort of like, I'm going to accomplish this, I'm going to read all these books, I'm going to do these things. And this year it was much more like, I'm going to be good to me. I'm going to give my, you know, uh, be more selfful, to use the Ayan Lavenzant word, um, you know, and that is good. I was for it. And, you know, take the space that you need, take the time that you need. Uh, and, and I don't know. It's, it, it, and slow down. I think that's kind of a part of that is, especially the first half of this year, I'm thinking astrologically now, but mm-hmm. um, I, I think, you know, it's important to to slow down a bit. We don't have to have 8,000 things that we need to, to get done every day. We don't have to have 8,000 different places that we need to go to within the week. And, you know, we don't need to see every friend within the week. We don't need to go to 27 dinners within the week. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's like slow down. So you have time 
to take care of yourself and you have time to do the things that are good for you or that you also want to do rather than always wishing you had time to do the things you wanted to do but you can't because well I've got to go over here well I'm already committed there well I said I was going to help that person well I'm doing this well I'm doing that no 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 and then people just complain they don't have time to do the things they want to do so I I think this is a good a good time to slow down pull back and you know do for the self mm-hmm. for a little while at least as much as you do for others yes so well I'm going to fill up a bubble bath <laughs> <laughs> and drink some champagne <laughs> and uh, I see and, uh, and, uh, and say the Tara mantra so oh. I was ready no, for I'm, the soundtrack to be a boom chicka wow wow. Wow wow well I I guess you could um tare tu tare Is it um tare tu tare tu re? Is it soha or svaha? I've never Well, I think it can be either one. I think it depends that there may be like a Sanskrit or pronunciation versus a Which more Which would you say? Well, I tend to say soha, but that's just because uh-huh. that's what I initially learned. Okay, that works for me. I'm and the same way that. about the um, the lesser vanishing ritual of the pentagram. I, I have my yeah. pronunciation that I learned, and I, I go and, with that. And for me, it's it's funny to hear like the the versions I that we played tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny for me to hear it done in such a stylized way. Because I'm very used to that very traditional way of doing it, where it's almost a flat way of doing it. You know, because you would just go, Om Tare Tu Tare Ture So Ha. Om Tare Tu Tare Ture So Ha. And you just mm-hmm. repeat that over and over. But it's a very kind of almost monotone way of doing it. So it was just very interesting to hear it done in, in a more stylized way for me. But I, I find it very gratifying to do that drop. So Ha mm-hmm. feels so, very like it finishes that phrase very well. It's like the period. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. So 108 of those. <laughs> That'll get me through a couple glasses of champagne. Yes. So we're going to give people time to do 108 of those while we take a little break. And then when we sure. come back, it's the wonderful, exciting, as if you've won the Powerball <laughs> opportunity to get a reading with us here on the show. <laughs> So, having said that, if you do want to get into the queue, feel free. Connect in from the show page. Call 646-716-5510. And you can get into the queue. And we will be right back to do readings here on the Amethyst Oracle.
listening to the Amethyst Oracle Divination with a Queer Twist with hosts Hi C and Charlie Harrington. Find out more at facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. And we've reached that point in the show where you have a chance to receive a reading from Charlie and myself. If you'd like to get into the queue, you can connect in from the show page or you can call 646-716-5510. I'll also remind you if you ever wanted, if you ever got a reading and wanted to listen back to it or if you wanted to re-listen to or didn't catch Everything that we might have talked about with a guest or something else during the show, you can always listen to previous shows, uh, again, in the archives here on Blog Talk Radio, or you can find them on iTunes. And that is the case for our show here, The Amethyst Historical, as well as all of the other shows that air here. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Amethyst Oracle. You can also email us, theamethystoracle at gmail.com. So... Charlie, shall we go to our first caller? Um, yes. All right. <laughs> so we're going to go to someone calling from area code 973. Uh, are you there, caller, in area code 973? I am. Hello. Well, hello. hello. Welcome. What's your name? And I'm going to guess you're calling from New Jersey. It is a Jersey, but I'm in California. <laughs> well, I see yeah, I... a little bit of... Uh-huh. So you must be on the run from the FBI or something. There we go. Uh, yes, I'm on the lam. No. <laughs> and, and what yeah. is your name? Alex. Alex? All right. And what is it that we could look at for you this evening? Well, i just like to see what the energy is for maybe in the, in the love uh, section or in the realm of love and perhaps a new relationship that's coming along. 
Sure. Okay. Let me uh, let me mute myself while I uh, shuffle for a moment. Thank you. And when you say a new relationship coming along, do you mean will there be a new relationship coming along, or there's a new relationship there- that just now is developing? Yes, just now. Okay. So do you, so you want us to look specifically at that relationship? Um. Yes, please. All right. We shall do that. And. What's the the month and day of your birth? Uh, 1130. Okay, so I'm using a sort of a Rider Waite tarot variant. So if you're familiar with those cards. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, what's interesting to me is that in the recent past, so like just 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 recently, there's been you have the knight, sorry, the king of cups, and the king of cups in a love reading is very interesting because they're a, an um, often a man who is or or a figure, a person who is very good in the emotional realm. They they can be very stable emotionally. And they can have a calming influence. Um, so this having this in the recent past for you, the King of Cups, it looks like um, there's been a shift and things have, um, for you in, in the romance department of lately, a shift out of, uh, out of a different state. And the card that represents your present is the Nine of Coins. And the Nine of Coins is, Someone, it looks like there's a bit of hesitation um, on your part because the, so the Nine of Coins often is a person who has done very well for themselves on their own. They've built a life for themselves. They've, they've, they are good. They, I don't know. It, sometimes the Nine of Coins comes up when someone's been alone for a long time and they're sort of have an opportunity to let someone in in a relationship thread. Am I yeah. on track at, at, at this point? Or do you well, feel like I, that's... No, I have been kind of alone and kind of looking. And mm-hmm. um, I am. I feel that I'm ready to allow the special, you know, someone mm-hmm, yeah. special in my life. Yeah. So what's interesting in the future, um, mm-hmm. uh, we have the card justice and sometimes justice can be a little scary in a love reading um if you were uh sometimes people do marriage readings justice can come up with divorce but that's not the reading this is sort of a new starting out Mm -hmm. um reading and um i'll talk a little bit more about justice but in a uh the card that represents what what is the action that you need to do and it's the page of cups so it's the genie of the king and the page the the page is the young Mm -hmm. um starting out again with love, starting to trust again. Um, so what I think is interesting, um, with the justice and that page of cups, it um, sometimes justice, what justice says is we get out what we put in. So mm-hmm. it, with this new love that's um, coming into your life, it looks like um, the cards are saying to be open-hearted, to trust, to... Um, be um, open to the idea of being romantic, even if that mm-hmm. has it's been a while since um, the, the romantic, mm-hmm. uh, and that this will bear fruit. Whenever justice comes up, 
um, upright yeah. and in the future. It does say like you will get out what you put back, and in love, that's 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 rare <laughs> because yeah. often we, we put in, and you know nothing comes from that. Yeah. So in your spread, um, yeah, I don't see any anything dangerous or scary. Um, that King of Cups coming into your life, and you being the Page of Cups, I think that this new love is going to be very healing for you, emotionally healing for you. Mm-hmm. It's going to help. Um, again, make trusting easier. And it, it also looks like there's just a strong opportunity for you to rediscover your romantic self, to enjoy the sort of the, the, the romance side of things, mm-hmm. like the, the finer thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, cool. no, it sounds great. Okay. Yeah. Um, I see. What, what do you got in your corner? And then we can kind of compare <laughs> notes and corroborate. Um. Well, what's come up for me, there's a lot here to also, I think, really support what Charlie has been saying. Because (laughs) (laughs) um, the card that comes up for you to represent you in this relationship is the High Priestess reversed. Now, the High high Priestess actually has this air of mystery about her and can Mm -hmm. have a, a sort of an austerity about her. And when it reverses, it says... This is not the time, this is not the relationship to try to give a little bit of yourself, let a little peek of who you are out and kind of really drip and drip and drip these little things out. We want you to be more open and be willing Uh to reveal more of your mystery um, quickly and up front rather than holding back. Uh, so th- this is not the kind of situation where um, trying to be a little you know, mysterious, let them wonder a little bit, let them need to find out more kind of thing is really going to play in your favor for a relationship. So really challenge yourself to be a bit mm-hmm. more open, a bit more revealing um, to this person and to not hold back uh, especially when it comes to things that are really more deeply representative of you, whether that's talking about yeah. previous experiences that have shaped who you are, whether that's, you know, mm-hmm. things that are going on for you, whether, you know, fears, uh, desires, right. um, dreams for the future, etc. Be much more willing to open up and to share those things rather than to hold them in worried that, oh, if I show that, maybe they'll think I'm weird. Oh, if I show that, that'll make them run away. Oh, they don't want to hear about that, that what happened to yeah. me in the past relationship, you know, kind of thing. Um, they'll, it'll actually be much more enlightening to them to start seeing mm-hmm. who you really are, as well as, you know, you talk about what happened in a past relationship or a past situation. It helps them see what kind of growth you've done, what how you've evolved as a mm-hmm. person. You know, so it's actually going to be beneficial in that way rather than detrimental. Um, The card that comes up for the other person is the Page of Cups. And that's a really nice card to see. Because it it is. Uh, You know, so it shows that this is someone who seems to be very ready for a new love, for a new kind of relationship experience. Um, Sometimes with the page, either it can represent someone literally that is younger than us, but it can also represent somebody who maybe is a little more 
emotionally fresh or new or immature, and here immature doesn't have to mean a bad thing. It can just mean someone who is more emotionally curious and open to Mm -hmm. new experiences on the emotional level. Um, So this goes right, and cups is very receptive. So this uh, goes right back to what we were saying of there's no reason to hold back or to try to hide parts of yourself because this is going to be someone who is actually very intrigued and excited and and genuinely interested in hearing about who you are at the heart level, uh, hearing about your experiences in life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. You know, they want to hear every part and every aspect of you. So don't try to create a persona or hold back on things that you think might not be so pleasing or acceptable for someone to hear, because this is going to be someone who actually has the curiosity and the receptivity and the openness to want to hear that, because they simply see it as part of the fabric of what makes you you, rather than having any sort of judgment around those things. Oh, wonderful. And the card that came up for the relationship itself between the two of you is the King of Pentacles. So, This can show us that this has this amazing ability to grow because the court cards, the people cards would grow from page to knight to queen to king. So the fact that this other person is a page and then we have the relationship as a king shows that for both of you, this is a relationship experience that is going to really represent some sort of significant, profound or deep growth process. And the only way that would happen is because the two of you come together. Uh, So um, it's encouraging you to fully invest in this relationship, not worried Mm -hmm. about how long it will last, but understanding there is something richly nourishing and, and deeply part of your growth that is going to come out of having this experience Uh, So let's fully give ourselves over to it. Let's put all of our effort into it and really cultivate it for what to to the fullest potential that it has, um, because it will really reward us and bear fruits for us. Oh, that sounds beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, no stinkers in either reading. And it's interesting, um, I see the page of cups came up uh, for both of us. So yes. that's definitely for me that that, that young and remind, <laughs> young openness to love. And, and re- remind me, what position was it in for you? So for me, that was like the action to take, or the like, uh, what's the what is the to do right now card? And for you, it was the relationship it, itself, right? Uh, no, for me, it actually represents the other person. Oh, interesting. So, okay, okay. So for me, it's interesting. That's why I wanted to ask. I wanted to make mm-hmm. sure I remembered the position because it's it's like saying take action on or towards this person, you know, reach out, mm-hmm. <laughs> engage, um, really, really be, be proactive in um, uh, creating some sort of relationship experience with this person. So this has the potential to definitely grow this relationship then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Especially oh, with the wonderful. King of Pentacles here showing up for me, the King of Pentacles showing up as the relationship card says there is yeah. there is um, great potential for for growth, for reward, for fruits of our labors, for abundance mm-hmm. 
but that all is based on how much we put into and invest into okay. the cultivation of it. We can't be passive yeah. here. Yeah, right. We both got kings, which um, is the person that you're interested in very mature? Well, we're about the age. same age, but he's, mm-hmm. he's he is very playful. He's um, mm-hmm. he's a Gemini, so. Oh, right on. Yeah, <laughs> kind of playful personality. But, oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. that's where that's where I think that page of cups comes in because that page quality would show someone who who is childlike, who has that kind of mm-hmm. curiosity, um, you know, who is open, receptive, and wants to just hear about because they don't have that judgment. They just are like, ooh, that's interesting. You know, mm-hmm. so um, I, all all systems are go <laughs> for oh, this. Great. Uh, and we we want both of you, but I think a lot of this is pointing to you to really be very proactive in creating this experience rather than sitting back and just passively waiting to see what this experience will become or what it has to offer you. All right. Well, it sounds like great advice. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. Thank you. You're <laughs> Thank welcome. You Thank you. Blessings to both of you. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling in tonight. Thank you. Well, Charlie... Yes. I believe that's going to bring us to the close of another ah. exciting episode of the Amethyst Oracle. Well, I'm glad we got a call in because um, one of my news resolutions for Tarot High C is to read for 100 people in 2016. So we're on January 12th, and that was three. So I'm uh, sorry, that was my third person. So I'm a little behind <laughs> on this, but uh, I'm excited. I'm keeping track, and uh, I would like to set. Um, I don't think you're behind because that would mean you'd basically have to read for one person every three days. Yeah. And if you've already read for three people and we're only at the 12th. Well, then I'm okay. Yeah, you're 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 one person behind if you use that calculation, but I bet you'll easily make up for that because go. you'll have like two people that come together for a reading or something that will help to balance it out. So, so don't So don't berate yourself. All there the we time. go. I'm basically a 10 a month. I need to do 10 a month and I'm keeping track and, uh, I recommend if anyone out there is a reader of some kind that they set some goals for um, for 2016. There's different ones you can do. You can uh, set financial goals if you like to get paid or you've been thinking about getting paid. Uh, give yourself a dollar amount to achieve in 2016. Or if you feel like you need to learn more, maybe there's a certain number of books that you'd like to, to uh, read in 2016. Maybe there's uh, you know, getting some, so for me, uh, I, I, I did both of those, <laughs> but also, uh, um, a number of people. Um, so. Well, and I, I think, think to, I think, I think that's good advice, even for people who aren't readings, you might make a resolution to say, you know, if somebody has been feeling like I've been, like you were saying earlier, like maybe somebody's feeling as if they've been a bit of a homebody, they need to get out mm-hmm. there more with that three of wands that came up for you, you know, mm-hmm. then maybe they make a resolution that says, you know, I'm going to, Make sure I meet one new person a month mm-hmm. or you know something like that. So I think those kind of resolutions can apply for all sorts of uh, situations and ways of going about it, depending on a person's uh, what, what a person is feeling they're needing to cultivate or change in their life in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fun times to be had in 2016 with tarot. But alas, 
That's all for tonight. <laughs> alas, alas. Yes. And uh, we will uh, look forward to having people join us here again next month. We're on the second Tuesday of each month, so that will be in uh, February, of course. So it'll be February 9th, so hopefully you will join us then. And we will look forward to being here with you once again at that time. So thank you, Charlie. Thank, thank you, you to every yes. Thank you to everybody who listened in this evening. Thank you to our guest, Zabrine Gray. And we will uh, look forward to being with you again next month. From Tare to Tare to. The Amethyst Oracle. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. Divination with a queer twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Convergence with John Caracella. Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m.